Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge and as always joined by my lovely, talented co-host Shelly Billinghurst. And this week we have a guest that we've been trying to book for the last six months. And I'm so glad we were finally able to connect. Joining us today is Amanda Hahn. And she is Chief Marketing Officer at HireVue. Welcome to the show, Amanda. Thanks, Shelly Serge. Great to be here. Sorry about all the rescheduling, but excited to finally be on the show. I'm so glad to finally get a chance to talk to you as well. I think we started our journey together at HR Tech. That was September. But Amanda, for those in our audience that are maybe just meeting you for the first time, can you tell us a little bit about your journey in the HR tech space and the recruitment space? Sure, happy to. So I've been with HireVue now for almost 10 years. We are almost a 20-year-old company at this point, so about half their life and have been chief marketing officer now for about a year and held marketing roles my entire time that I've been with HireVue, but I actually started my career many moons ago as a recruiter. I tell people that I was born into recruiting. (laughs) (laughs) My mom owned a personnel agency when we called it personnel so many years ago. And she placed secretaries and office and administrators and paralegals in the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania market. And when I was growing up in high school and looking for my first part-time job, she needed a receptionist at her front desk. So that eventually grew into a regular appearance during school breaks and Christmas breaks and college breaks. And I got bitten by the recruiting bug being part of that environment all the time. I ran a temp desk when I was in college and just never left the space. I ran recruiting technology and operations and branding for a couple of large organizations. I spent some time with the Newman Group for a little while doing consulting. A big fan of the team at the Newman Group had been utilizing them as a customer and then joined that team for a couple of years. I finally made the loop over to the vendor world, joining the team at Taleo, who I know you guys are really familiar with. What did you just say? (laughs) You did what? (laughs) I I don't know. For a really long time, especially during the early days when most of the team was actually Canadian. Yes. And uh, joined the team at Taleo in product strategy and product marketing. And so we spent a couple of years there, even stayed for a little while after the Oracle acquisition and then moved on to the team at HireViews. Even though I'm a marketer, I'm still and will always be an HR person and a recruiter very specifically at heart. You know, Amanda, I often wonder what's going to happen to my children. Like you, I've been in talent acquisition pretty much my entire life. And my kids, I think they may be the next generation of coming to work for their mom. <laughs> it's fantastic. Not that I'm going to make them out really well. So <laughs> it absolutely did. That is so cool. So tell us a bit about, for the benefit of the audience, what is Higher View? And talk to us a bit about what you've seen change over the years. I joined the company in 2013 and until 2014, which it seems really crazy to think about at this point, just because of the ubiquity of videos and cameras and cell phones. We were still shipping webcams up until 2014 out to candidates and companies to take video interviews. 
So HireVue was obviously the pioneer of the video interviewing space and created the idea of the live video interview and the asynchronous video interview and this whole new experience for candidates to be able to demonstrate who they are and their potential and their skills beyond their resume really, really early in the hiring process to recruiters and hiring managers. And that was the idea of our founder, Mark Newman. He really wanted to give candidates a voice. He was a college student himself when he started HireVue. It was actually a college internship project for him. He was going to a really small school. And at the time, college recruiting or university recruiting was something that was very much done on a relationship basis and in person. And so if you wanted to work for a company, but they didn't necessarily come to your school, it was really hard to get in front of that employer to be able to demonstrate your passion and your potential as a match for them. And because our founder went to a really small school, a lot of the employers he wanted to work for didn't come to his school. So he saw a problem there and showing employers potential students that they may not be able to see and then branching that beyond student potential, but anyone's to be able to show an employer their capabilities beyond their resume. Because of course he could have just mailed his resume to any employer, but even he knew at that point, it wasn't really the best way. That's really where HireVue started. Now, eventually we evolved as smartphones became more ubiquitous and every laptop had a camera on it. And we evolved as a company as well from just video interviewing to more of the sort of assessments or skills definition space. So we acquired a company that helped us augment our product and understand coding aptitude and coding ability, which is our code view product today, really understanding people's aptitude around engineering development skills. And then about seven or eight years ago, we were the first ones in the HR space really to apply AI to the decision-making process in selection and launched our assessments product. That has, again, evolved. It originally started with just videos and input. We added games to the mix a few years later through an acquisition of a company called Mindex out of Europe. Now we have multiple inputs to be able to assess either through video or through games that person's potential and adding AI and automation to that. Our last acquisition two years ago added capabilities around texting and automation through the acquisition of Alio in 2020. So really beefing up our automation capability. Their big differentiator in the space was not just bringing sort of text and chat capability, which a lot of companies do, but really, really making that into a smart workflow. How do you take those text and chat inputs from candidates and build workflow and automation on top of that? Really rounding out our solutions to focus on everything, engagement and experience, powering the entire hiring process from end to end. So much to unpack there. I'm very curious because you mentioned that you worked in the personnel department of your mom's business. So you are one of the rare exceptions on this show that actually wanted to go into recruitment, not just fell into it. I think this is the first, Shelly. <laughs> Good catch there. Good catch, Serge. Absolutely. That's um, funny. I find that as well. So many people in the recruiting space. of the people you run into actually fall into recruiting. Aside from that, my first experience of doing a one-way interview was with HireVue. And obviously you've been in the market for a long time. 
The last couple of years, though, have been interesting because we've seen a lot of new players enter the market at fairly low cost. We've seen my interview in Australia, Wedged. There's probably thousands of them. Is it still a big part of your business? And how have you positioned yourself against maybe what we call the low cost providers? Yeah, it still is a really big part of our business. I mean, even if you look at the standard sort of analyst hype cycles and things like that, video interviewing was on its way already pre-COVID to becoming just ubiquitous. But so many organizations have realized the value of, I have information on somebody's background through their resume, but what I don't have early in the evaluation process is what they want to do, what they can do, what they have the potential to do, what their abilities are. None of that is clear on their resume. Companies realize the value of the combination together and having those two things really early on in the process and still do to this day. We have a significant chunk of our business that is still that fundamental understanding of people's capabilities through video interviews. And I would say then COVID completely changed the game and made it a business standard. Now everybody does virtual interviewing at some point in the hiring process because they realized not only the value of sort of the early asynchronous process and getting a better understanding of candidates, but it doesn't make any sense anymore to fly candidates into locations in first rounds when it's a cost. And also now you've got remote teams all over the place. We'd already seen really great standardization to the process through video interviewing. I remember doing phone screens as a recruiter. Look, I completely admit that depending on who the candidate was that I was talking to, there would be a different slate of questions depending on where the conversation goes, because that's humans. And we want to connect with people, even though the conversation shouldn't veer and every single person should be asked the same set of questions and the conversation should be very standard. It never happened that way. So bringing that standardization of the process to make sure that bias was driven out was paramount from the beginning. But then we started to realize how much the AI and automation could help with that how do we augment decision-making? And this was at the same time that HR folks in general and recruiters were starting to get more sophisticated with data and analytics. And so we started to move in front of it to say, we can use artificial intelligence to tell that story, to say, how do we bring data to the selection decision process and bring that standardization through AI? I just want to clarify something here, Amanda, because I'm not exactly sure what you mean by AI. What exactly is the AI in the product? I'm not connecting the dots. So help me out here. No, that's a great question. You know, in the really early days, nobody else was applying things like deep learning to video interview data and the data that was collected for video interviews or any other place in HR. When we first brought our product to market to start talking about it. We actually called it predictive analytics because we weren't sure that the HR space was ready for the term AI. What we're talking about is a number of our customers now use, and there is an algorithm that's applied to the video interview or the combination of a video interview plus a games interaction in order to assess for particular competencies or skills in that job that are identified as being critical to that job, a human can still watch that candidate's interaction and glean from their perspective on that candidate's skills and abilities and knowledge. And there's also a set of scores, competency and skill-based scores that are associated as well to that interview that are presented to that recruiter and that hiring manager as part of the process. Things like communication skills, problem-solving skills, analytical abilities, 
that are all derived from the gameplay and the interview itself. So how does the AI actually judge? Is it based on the answers? There's obviously legal risk. If we look at AI, especially in the early days of how it was leveraged at Amazon, I think is a story we all know of. How did you overcome those risks of how it does an assessment? Yeah. So to clarify, it's only looking at the content of the candidate's uh, response. So it's just based on the content of the candidate's response. And our secret to making sure that we didn't walk down the same path that others had in the past or we knew could potentially be done in the future is we have since the beginning believed in the combination of data science and artificial intelligence and all the developments that have come in technology combined with the rigor and structure of industrial organizational psychology and science. You had to have the two together because for, you know, a hundred years, the science of industrial organizational psychology has been about selection based on skills that are predictors of future positive performance. What are the competencies and skills and abilities that are necessary in that particular job? And let's make sure that is the criteria that we are using to select candidates on. Also, testing for adverse impact, helping with standardization, driving bias out of the process. So all of that was incorporated from the very beginning into the way that we built our algorithms and our models. Those two sides together had to be a part of the formula to make sure that you didn't have algorithms or data science that was just running amok on its own. Glad you brought up AI because I think you were right. AI in 1993, I'm sorry, 1993, 2013, I'm 20 years behind here, was not a term that was used a lot. Honestly, I think the last year has been the first year that HR tech has really embraced AI, sometimes too much, calling products that are not AI, AI. But looking at what HireVue has done and how you've innovated, I'm really curious, first of all, what is your process? How do you determine what's next in the market and how are you going to innovate? And then what have you released recently that you think the audience would be interested in? You know, a lot of what we've been looking to do for the past couple of years is continue to evolve the path that we've set out on. Our vision as a company is to help connect talent to opportunity. How do we make decisions in the hiring process that are based on data, that help to drive out bias, that help to increase diversity, that help to widen the lens of candidates that get considered from the very, very early days. We are looking for a world where we can help people unlock their potential and connect them with opportunity in a better way. That's our North Star and our vision. Yeah. We are constantly looking to sort of evolve what we're doing in order to help get there. We started with better standardization, opening the funnel wider for companies to consider more people in a faster way through video interviewing, then applying AI to that and building algorithms that help drive more data into the process and also help companies scale. More organizations are looking for, well, how do we identify the right person for my organization that might fill one role today, but fill a number of other roles as they grow within the organization. And so to that, in the fall, launched our first cross-role assessment called our Agile Mindset Assessment. 
We were specifically looking at the research that's pointing to a number of companies starting to focus on better agility within their organizations. How do we hire people that have this agile mindset that can adapt to change within organizations? It focuses on very specific areas of agility. Agility when it comes to people. They learn from experience. They are cool under pressure. There's an element of mental agility as well. People are comfortable with complexity and ambiguity. And then the last one was around change agility. Lots of organizations dealing with a ton of change, knowing that they are going to need people who are curious and have a passion for ideas, like to experiment and change and use test cases. We saw this growing trend and said, we believe that's something that we can measure. And then that gives organizations the ability to say, I'm not necessarily looking for this particular person or this particular role. What I need is this mindset inside of my organization. And how do I bring people into the organization that have that? Wow. Okay. That is also a lot to unpack, Amanda, because my question to you is this, when in the process are you doing this level of assessments on individuals, even if they're gamified, still dragging somebody through a process, but have they spoken to a human being yet? Or is this the finalist candidates are doing these assessments? It's a really great question. And I think it's something each organization needs to consider as part of their overall candidate experience. Regardless of where you put it in the process, your candidates have to have some level of understanding of why you're asking them for this information. Mm. At Higher View, one of the things that we focus a lot on, especially when it comes to our games, because games is one of those things where there's been a lot of it's not necessarily bad players, but there's been a lot of misunderstanding about why games get incorporated into the process. One of the reasons is that candidates have interacted with games as part of the hiring process that didn't make sense to them on why it was included. Face validity is what we call it at HireVue to say, we believe that our games need to have a high level of face validity so that a candidate understands what the game is assessing them for. Oh, I understand this game is assessing my numerical ability. And it's very obvious to a candidate, regardless of where it makes sense in the process to put an assessment for a particular employer, because sometimes it does depend on the role of the job or the level of the job. In order to create a really good candidate experience, that candidate should have an understanding of why the assessment is being done. For a lot of our customers, Putting it early in the process does create for them some level of standardization and a data point because, again, early in the process, a lot of times the only data point you have is a resume, which is a partial picture at best of a candidate. And so incorporating a data element at that level creates better standardization, helps drive out a lot of unconscious bias in the process, creates a point for a recruiter to consider people that may have non-traditional backgrounds but they have the knowledge and the skills and the abilities to do that role. And then there are some customers that we have that select to put assessments after there's been a number of conversations or maybe after there's been an initial interview or some sort of screening. It very much depends on what the employer's process is. The important part is the level of understanding that has to be in the hands of the candidate on why they're going through those things. Just putting out an assessment with absolutely no context whatsoever is just a bad candidate experience. You could do this process after the person is hired because a lot of organizations have 20, 30,000 employees and looking at how the dynamics of the world of work shifting. Could this tool be used employees in two to three years instead of going out in the market, leveraging what you already have? Has it been used in that case as well? 
Yeah, that's a great point, Serge. That is one of the use cases potentially for yeah. this assessment as well, is that a company wants to understand the kind of mindset that already exists within their organization. So they know they need to hire people into their organization that have this mindset, that have these agility areas. But what about the people I already have? Yeah. Do I have the right folks within my organization that have this mindset? Because most of our customers have an interest in both of these areas. Interesting, because individuals may come in with all the potential in the world, but if they're joining an organization where you want agile mindset, but you're not surrounded by others, the behavior will quickly change. I love this idea because it certainly the agile mindset is where the future of work is going. I agree. It's more than just a trend. The problem is once you bring in those thinkers and you surround them with people who don't think that way, it's soon letting the air out of the tire. I think it'd be very fascinating to follow that over the years rather than using it as your talent inventory first. And can we really sustain this agile mindset? Because the only way you're going to do it is if your current talent inventory says that this is a characteristic that we want to keep, not that we want to build. Because I love the theory of it, but that is my big concern is all the optimism around hiring people without having the culture to support it. Well, there's only so much technology can do, Shelly, when you look at the culture of an organization. This is a good way to measure if that person's going to have the ability to shift because a lot of CEOs are looking at how do we bring them into the next generation. I, I want to change pace a little bit. Most of our audience are recruiters, practitioners, talent acquisition leaders. There's so much noise in the world of HR tech. There's so many different vendors. We saw the investment in the last couple of years. As a recruiter or as a talent acquisition leader, how do I get around all this noise of agility mindset assessments to video interviewing to AI? Like I'm just throwing every lexicon in here to to kind of give you an idea of there is so much. What's your advice for these leaders that are looking to build a tech stack? Where should they start? What should they look at? How should they approach the HR tech world? Yeah, it's tough. I know. I mean, 10, 15 years ago, it was very much this very tight community. And most of the new HR technologies were being brought to market by companies who may have had HR technology before. And then a few years ago, I mean, there's just this influx of folks from all over the place realizing the value of anything related to people inside of organizations and realizing the need for technology and automation around these things. It is tough not to be tempted away by the next bright, shiny object and what's going to be the next greatest thing to help bring value to my recruiting team, to my hiring managers. It's the impact measurement that is probably the most important. There's a lot of really cool, bright, shiny objects out there. But what are the ones for TA leaders that are really going to help bring an impact to your organization, not just TA goals and objectives, but like all the way up to business goals and objectives. What are the things that your organization is laser focused on related to people? And how does that goal translate down to the TA leader? And then what are the technologies that are really going to make an impact and make an impact to the size and scale of my organization? Smaller organizations, I think, struggle with this as well, but I've seen a lot of larger organizations start down a path with something that just didn't end up being able to scale for them at the levels that they needed it to, or didn't work for all the geographies that they were in, or didn't work for their organizational complexity. 
And I feel like that happens a lot. There's a lot of TA leaders that get burned by technologies that just aren't tried and tested when it comes to scale. Personally, early in my career, got burned by one of those. So I know that feeling. You know, the advice that I give to anyone that's going to implement any type of HR tech to an ATS or whatever it is, is look at what it does today. Never take into account how it's going to work a year to two years from now, because it generally never happens. The other thing that keeps TA leaders up at night is implementation. How does Harview approach that? Yeah. You know, and this is coming from a vendor. It's all about the change management as part of the process. The technology is the easy part. And that's probably my consulting background coming through a little bit too. But we hire a lot of people in our professional services organization that don't just understand technology, but actually understand recruiting and TA. A lot of them are former recruiters or have worked on recruiting processes before. And again, it's all about making sure that we've got the right process. We used to have a saying, I'm going to give Ed Newman credit for this one. But when we used to engage with customers, we would always throw up this slide that said NT plus OP equals EOP. And it was new technology plus old process equals expensive old process. It's so much about the process. And if you're taking into consideration the stuff that we were talking about before about scale and making sure you've got the right fit and there's value and ROI, and you've picked a technology for that, then it's all about making sure that you are updating your process as part of that implementation to make the marriage of the new technology and the process work together harmoniously. And then making sure that you're still laser focused on it. I've seen so many companies too, where your process changes, but your technology implementation stays the same five years later. I completely agree with you, Serge. It's really important to get that implementation piece right. We focus a ton on it and it's about process and change management for our teams. And then the technology sort of secondary to that. It's one of those things for any TA leader, if you want to get fired, a good way of doing is implementing a new system because it usually goes wrong, but that's fairly rare. (laughs) I'm really curious. Obviously, we've gone through the last 10 years at Hireview, you're at Taleo before, you've seen a lot of changes and probably none as dramatic as the last couple of years. If you had your crystal ball, we're still early January here. Do you have a prediction for the world of work in 2023? What's really going to disrupt? What's really going to disrupt? Well, what has been really interesting to us over the past couple of years, and obviously it's why we made the decision to get into the space and acquire Alio, is it's amazing to me how quickly the medium of communication with candidates has changed from email to text messages. It was phone calls for so long and it was emails for so long and then it was texting overnight. I mean, it's unbelievable that our customers who have moved from email communication to text message communication with candidates, their engagement goes from days to minutes. It's nuts. That's one of the things that I think is going to continue to just take off this year. A lot of the professional level kinds of roles, email still works for hourly specifically. So many of our customers have seen massive change in candidate engagement by implementing text and chat for hourly. And for college students, I have friends who have college age kids and they haven't logged into their email in four weeks. So it's clearly to be able to engage with students if you're doing any level of college recruiting. That's a big one. The other big one for us that we're seeing from a lot of our customers is the focus on retention. We have been in a massive cycle of hiring for 18 to 24 months now. All we've been doing is filling seats because we had so many empty. 
And now HR and recruiting people very specifically are starting to pipe up in the dialogue and say, hey, if we bleed these people out the back end, we're going to be in this vicious cycle over and over again. We're seeing a lot of our customers take a really hard lens on retention right now, internal mobility, making sure that there's growth opportunity, things like that, especially in those industries where we're seeing a little bit of a downturn in hiring. It's not across the board, but we are seeing customers who are doing less hiring than they were last year. And they are laser focused on making sure that they can retain the people they brought in the door. Those are the two big ones that we're seeing sort of crystal ballish right next year. Definitely need to be texting candidates and focus on making sure that you can retain the people that you bring in the door and that you're focused on retention, even in the selection process. How do we get really good quality coming in? It's so funny. Texting is one of those things that I kind of feel is even old in its way, but the adoption is still really, really low, but it just makes sense, right? Really good insights. I really appreciate you coming on. We've heard about HireVue for a long time. We've always been curious. So thank you for coming on. If anyone wanted to get a hold of you or find out more about HireVue, how should they approach that? Yeah, great. And thank you both for having me on. It was terrific to finally connect with you. HireVue.com, obviously, is a great place to find out more information about us. H-I-R-E-V-U-E.com. Anybody can connect with me. I'm A. Han, H-A-H-N at HireVue.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. And we do a LinkedIn Live series. We have a number of new content pieces that are on demand on our website. So that's definitely the best site to learn more about HireVue in general. Great. Wonderful to meet you, Amanda. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you very much. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.